0: Hey, everybody, this is episode two of the Long Story Short podcast, hosted by myself, Kevin Oliver, live from my basement. And uh, right now, this second episode, we've got uh, another special guest, Dan Oliver. What's up, fellas? Dan's my younger brother. And um, Dan's not only my younger brother, but one of my best friends and probably, not probably the most important figure on our race team at this point. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But one thing I want to start off with is just to kind of paint a picture of the setup right now because this is episode two, but we have, you know, high aspirations of where this could go. And uh, right now, Danny and I are sitting in our basement uh, on my deck furniture that I brought in so it wouldn't get snowed on. (laughs) So it's being repurposed right now. Uh, the some high caliber stuff right here. Absolutely, the um, the little coffee table that goes with the deck furniture is our laptop surface and microphone clamping uh, piece, I guess. And we're running a big long extension cord, so yeah, it's pretty haggard. But I've actually already spoke to somebody today that had said that they would be interested in sponsoring. The podcast once we get some subscribers, <laughs> so that's come on people,
1: come, come come check it out. Long story short, <laughs>
0: thanks, Dan. We've got to so we've got to basically figure out how to get it on the app store, which I'll work on that. But once it's out there, I'll let everybody know, and I'll be pleading you to subscribe, rate, and review. Once we get enough subscriptions, I've got people that are willing to uh, sponsor the program, and with that. I'll be able to upgrade from this pretty haggard setup to maybe something a little bit better. Um, That being said, let's get right into it, Dan. Yeah. So, So you guys know me. Yeah, why why don't you introduce yourself a little bit?
1: Well, uh, you know, I'm Dan Oliver, uh, Kevin's younger brother. Also a crew member on the uh, number 28 Legend Division. Um. I don't know. Most of you guys probably know me because probably a lot of our friends are on here listening to it. Our, and, our uh, listeners
0: right now are our family and friends, yeah. So,
1: <laughs> But it, it's going to go widespread with people. Just trust me on this one. Trust me. All right. Um, what do you do for work? Well, yeah, typical question here. Uh, yeah, I'm just an iron worker just like everyone else oh don't sell yourself short well
0: you know just an iron worker yeah well yeah what do you do on the ship you build ships for our navy
1: yeah or I part of
0: it I do
1: um ventilation
0: work on
1: as my trade um so like vent structure to hold the vent you know what I'm saying uh
0: things like, like hangers
1: like hangers um do you have to lay it out yeah I, I do, gotta do a lot of layout um Basically, uh, it's basically just lay out getting all your stuff ready, material ready, and then
0: a couple tacks and you're done. Burnt face later and you're fine. Field fits, you know, like it lays out on a drawing, it looks really great, but then when you get out in the field, oh there's an I beam here that somebody forgot about or
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean pretty much every package I come come across there's I gotta go see a liaison and hey, why is uh why am I getting this dimension and it's three feet over you know so you gotta so, be creative you gotta be creative I gotta figure out uh, you know w- what to do next be a little implementive if that's even a word but yeah I gotta be <laughs> Works implementive for me. so um uh, yeah it's it's a lot of uh, just following work packages that aren't to spec they haven't been updated for years and
0: um being a little creative at the same time. Yeah. Well, this is what I would like to say to everybody listening about you is, so our probably, I mean, we grew up together, obviously, so we know each other pretty well. But where I think our friendship, you know, above and beyond brotherhood really blossomed is this race team. You know, it's a family team. It's basically at this point, uh, you, me and dad, that's not to sell short all the other support and fans that we have. Dave Vashon has been a big part of it. Um, Trevor Homequest comes when he can. Uh, Steve Emery, big part of it. Forrest, back when we ran uh, the sports series at Beatridge There's just been a lot of people involved. Can't leave out Tom Sawyer. Yep. He's been a staple at the track re- recently. Yeah, I just want to add, thank you for getting me off the whole
1: work. Yeah. That's pretty much like all I talk about so you got, you got me off that one pretty
0: quick so thank you thanks for that one yeah well we got the picture but you know with the race team so I'm the driver but I'm running around and there's so many things to keep track of in order to be competitive whether it be you know getting the tire pressures changed or making sure there's fuel in the car, yeah, setting the toe, setting the toe, making sure that the fuel cap is on because that's burned us before when that was my job. Uh, so anyway, you just hold down the Ford on that. And, uh, it's been really fun to share that experience together.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, I, I, I actually, I, I, I love that. That's one of the things I hold highest in dear is, uh, the race team, actually, to be honest with you, it's just, uh, like being able to be a part of something other than just work, you know what I mean? Right. So well, something a, outside of work that something you love that you chase that yeah you you desire too, you know you 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 have a desire for something and you you want to be a part of something and you are and you might not be in the limelight like the you know the driver who who does get the credentials, you know what I'm saying? But you got you get to be the guy that gets to go in the track every Sunday or Saturday, whatever day it is, and you get to smell that gas fuel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the burning rubber. And that's like the best smell in like April oh, when the season oh, it's starts. Oh, great. I love that smell, man. Yeah. And uh, you also get to like run out on the track and and, and grab a gas fuel tap cap that fell off because, you know, it wasn't hooked on with the lanyard correctly. Yeah,
0: and you know Things fault. like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we'll get into that probably a little bit later, but yeah um, – Totally agree. You know, I think most people that don't have any background in the sport, maybe they're just friends with somebody that is or married to them or uh, just friends with them. It's hard, I think, for people to really understand, like, the brotherhood, the community, the the drive. I mean, like, for me, I do feel a little guilty because I'm behind the wheel and, like, you know, if we have a good run or we win a race – I'm the one out in Victory Lane, and you guys aren't. But in this, you, you've sa- always given us credit every time. Yeah, so. this may sound cliche, but like, I couldn't have got there without all the nights in the garage during the week, preparing the car, bouncing ideas off of each other, all the work at the track. Uh, so anyway, pretty much hammered that one to death. But big thanks, and uh, I guess Boy, it ain't over. It ain't over. Well, yeah, we'll get into our plans a little bit later. But what I want to talk about right now is... So this is NASCAR's championship weekend. And uh, we've been through already the the truck race and the Xfinity race. Cup is tomorrow. I watched the truck race yesterday. Eh, it was kind of a blah championship yeah. run. I mean, the, the guy that won the championship didn't even win the race. He got second, which in today's format... You almost have to win yeah, the there. You to pretty win the much are
1: expecting your top four to win,
0: or, or one Somewhat. of the top fours to right. win. I mean, last year in the
1: Cup Series, the it was the final four who actually came one, two, three, four. So, right, and it's almost like NASCAR has become to the point where they have set so many rules and boundaries. And I don't want to use the word manipulated, but you know what I'm saying. They're, they've they've set so many rules to the point where. You have those Final Four. That yes, they have they have uh, earned their way there. But um, it's like they're you almost expect as a fan that they're going to be one, two, three, four every time
0: in the know? championship race. You mean
1: in the championship race? Yeah.
0: There's a. Hot, I mean, they're the four best guys at the end of the year. Because one thing that I didn't love about the Chase format when pre-elimination was. Okay, so you you break out these 12 guys, these 16 guys, whatever, and then you run 10 races, and it's really just like a shorter version of the regular season. But with the elimination rounds, I hated it at first because I felt like it was a gimmick, but it makes it really exciting. And so if you've made it to the Final Four, that means that you've been consistent, you haven't had bad races, you haven't made really many mistakes. To get there, you have to be the elite. And so you'd expect them to be up in the top. Uh, you know they're probably the four guys that have been up front most of the year. So anyway, the truck race I just I was pulling for Chastain. I think you were too, just because oh, yeah. of the underdog story. He come he come in second in points. Um, great season. The funny thing about Crafton was he won the championship without winning any races, which NASCAR changed the whole format so that winning was like paramount to be a champion. Right, yeah, he did it without winning. Yeah, I so mean, kind of interesting. at
1: the same token, though, I mean, like, like Craft and Dead, he raced his way into it. And uh yeah, by he points, he pointed his he way point, in, which is by points, almost he,
0: more impressive.
1: Yeah, it, it's it is. It's in today's day and age. Now that they've made an elimination race and you have to you pretty much have to win um, in certain segments of the year or throughout the the regular 26 race season um before the playoffs you have to at least win or within the four rounds um you either pretty much have to win or like Chase Elliott almost did he almost got in with points and things like that but i mean it's it's almost expected to be if you're in the top final 16 uh in the last 10 races you pretty much have to win um within those
0: Four segments. You know what I'm saying? It's tough to so. point your way in through the whole thing. Um, certainly, yeah, you, know, you can do it for a round or two, but to do it for all the rounds is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, that being said, uh, Xfinity. We both watched it today. I actually only watched like from the last, say, 75 laps, but wow. I was thoroughly I was, impressed. Yes,
1: I was impressed too. That was Dude, a great race. Like at, at one point, side by side,
0: Al was kind of like
1: the the lower of the four all day. I felt bad for him, man. Like he was he was right there. He was itching. He was fifth, you know, right there catching them, but he was just he, he just fading. was a little
0: a little bit off. But the other three, Custer, Reddick, and Bell, they were at, at points in that race. <laughs> Running three wide, right with each other for one the top two, three. three spots. Four, no, no,
1: no, not for the top three. For the for the, the leading point. The, for the leader. There were three three of the top four were racing for the lead. Right, three at, wide. At, one, at least at one point in that race, and that was that was for a fan. That
0: was you that can't was ask heckly, for much better. You exactly, can't that. ask for much better. So I took a couple notes here. Um, I Custer Cole Custer came out of the pit in front of Reddick. Reddick came in in the lead. They did uh I think it was green flag stops. This was right around 35 to go, 36 yeah, to go. Yeah. So Reddick comes in in the lead, Custer's in second. He's Custer has been chasing him down. Custer had a mistake, got a lap down early in the race, raced his way back onto the lead lap, which is pretty cool. Got all the way back up to second, was running down Reddick. They go on the pits. Custer beats Reddick out of the pits. They're coming back up onto the track, Elgayer is like, basically they're pulling up in front of him, and Custer, they they come up, and Custer just yards it to the right, I don't know if you saw this, and goes all the way to the wall, like right in front of Algeier, yeah. I don't know if he Yeah, he, he, missed. B- he b- no, no, he did that intentionally. He did that intentionally. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's but, his competitor, you know? But, Algeier had to make this evasive, quick move, like, it, I'm surprised it didn't spin him out, and... Went, like, left and then back right and dove right up the middle of Reddick and Custer to go by. But, I mean, his car got sideways, and I honestly think that that wore his tires out. Plus, he had pitted, oh, yeah. I think, earlier Tenfold. than that, so his tires were a little older. But, I don't know, maybe that was part of the strategy, but it was a hell of a move by Alguire. It was. Uh, it was questionable move I mean, by Custer. I mean, like, obviously, he doing? didn't have
1: any other choice, though, you know, at the time. Oh, like, was- Custer just... I was amazed that the three blocked him because he's uh, this competitor, you know? He doesn't want
0: him to come back up through. I mean, think about this, though. If we both watch this, so Custer pulls up in front of Allgaier, who's got, like, a run. He's at speed. And then you've got Redick, basically a car width and a half to the inside of him. And instead of, like, slowing down, Allgaier at speed, yards it to the left, could have easily clipped the right rear... Of which would have turned him into Custer and destroyed all All three three of them. them. And Bell would have just sailed off. Like, the fact that they all three got through that event without wrecking was pretty impressive also. Yeah, absolutely. And then with 18 to go, the other note I have here is the two, Custer's leading, which was pretty cool. Uh, The two pulls like a massive slide job move on him dives in low with all kinds of speed just washes up the track in front of him takes a lead well obviously when you do that you lose momentum so the zero zero custer pulls in and does like a crossover goes down the back stretch does the same move to him but immediately jeff burton called out like "Ooh, this is not the corner to do this because it kills your momentum on exit i guess there's right. like one end of the track to do that and the other end not to so the zero, zero goes back by, well, now they go into the end of the track where you do want to do it. yeah and the two crosses back one and over two. Again. You,
1: you can do it in one and two. I think three and four is the three is the so turns you You're want
0: talking less it. than 20 to go, and they literally go uh, zero, zero is leading, the two crosses over on the zero zero to take the lead. The zero zero crosses over on the two to take the lead back and then the two crosses over on the zero zero to take <laughs> the lead back again. I'm like, this is entertaining. Yeah, this it, is racing. finally. those hey. guys <laughs> are on the wheel. Fucking driving the I mean, piss out of those cars. Imagine if just, you can watch an entire season like that. They you know? had just come out of the pits and had fresh tires. So, I mean, they're at like maximum grip level. And those guys are wheeling those cars. Right? That was cool. They, yeah. Yeah, so they then did basically, a hell of a job. Everybody slammed into the wall. <laughs> and yep. uh, um, Reddick just did a hell of a job. I mean, I, there's something about him that I don't really. Care for it, just gets under my skin a little bit, but he's definitely a wheel man. And then our friend Derek Nealand was spots for him, so very happy for Derek. I think that's his first championship at the uh, NASCAR level, yeah. For, for
1: Derek, yes, yes. Um, uh, no, he spotted for him last year, didn't he? Did he? I believe he did.
0: Well, Derek, if you're uh, listening someday, <laughs> I'm sorry, this might be number two for him. But either way, whether it's one or two, I mean, he got the championship as a spotter. Spotter's a big part of that. Congratulations. Congrats to Derek. That's awesome. So, tomorrow, uh, the Cup goes to Homestead. There's the 19, um, the 18, the the 11, pretty much all Joe Gibbs. Except for
1: Eric Jones. Sorry, Eric Jones. Uh, And uh, what? uh, Kevin
0: Harvick? Yeah, three Gibbs cars and Harvick. And... So, hard to pull against Harvick at Homestead. He's been pretty good. All right, but- well,
1: let me ask you this. Okay. All right. Who's your choice? Who do you think's going to win?
0: Who do I think is going to win? I mean, all four of them are so good there that it's, it's a toss-up. But, like, if, if you had a gun to my head and I had to make a quick decision – I just, I've got this weird feeling about Harvick. Harvick, uh huh? Well, okay, and Hamlin's been hot. So I could see that too. And to be honest, uh, with Hamlin, there was some story a couple years back where he had told Joe Gibbs, I think, when he was really little, like 12, 13, 14 years old, I'm going to drive for you someday, and I'm going to win a championship for you. And I think this was the last, one of the last times he was in the Final Four, and it didn't work out. But that's a pretty cool story that I'd love to see come true. Yeah. I, st- wow. I think Denny's kind of a little... Draw some news on me. Yeah, I, I haven't fact-checked that. But I remember seeing like a commercial as they were promoting the Final Four, and I just thought it was really cool. It would be nice to see that. Um, yeah, I don't mean, really he, care so much about Harvick anymore. I did more when he like took over for Earnhardt. Yeah, But that's so far in the past. Yeah, that
1: was kind of like a uh, I don't know, hate him, a moment type, but I'm type not like thing. a
0: thing pulling for
1: him. Right, exactly. Yeah, he's a great race car driver, but and he's very respectable. But he's not like I don't know. He's just kind of like I call him the closer for a
0: reason though. Yeah.
1: He's a good guy. He's all he's a well rounded guy, but I think he's just uh I don't know, there's there's other personalities out there that are mm-hmm. yeah, you know, more to grab for, you know.
0: So then you've got Kyle Bush, which I feel like frankly, he's been just like one tick off most of the playoffs. Like he's here, so he's made it. But for whatever reason, he's just seemed like he's been, like, if you took the dial and just ticked it back one. Like, he's just a little yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. But he's there, and he's one hell of a driver, and you can't count. You can't count it But you, you also got you can't a, count Truex out either. I mean.
1: There's been a lot of races that I've watched Kyle come in where he, uh, you know, either had to, like, change an engine right before the race, you know. So he, he was thrown in the back. Maybe he qualified real good. But he had to change an engine or something, you know, and he won that race. So there's times where he
0: well, he 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 comes back. I mean, he he can overcome obstacles just because of how good he is. So it's really tough to pick any one of them. I actually agree with you now that we're talking about. I feel like Denny's just got the most momentum. When so you go back to was it Martinsville? What was the second race of last round?
1: Or uh, Texas, it, Well, we just raced at Phoenix and Texas.
0: then Texas before that. So Denny made a mistake. He lost 44 points, a 44-point swing, and got to the point where um, Phoenix was a must-win. And I remember after the Texas race, they were interviewing him, and they were like, yeah, Denny, you know, 44-point swing, this is really a terrible day, but, you know, all you got to do is go back into Phoenix and all you got to do is win. Danny. Right. That's all you, you got to go win. Like, what, what do you feel about that? And he just, without blinking was like, well, you know, our team brings great race cars to the track every week. I'm confident in my ability. We can, uh, we can go to Phoenix and win. And that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what he had to do. And he just seems like he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's just on a rail right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's ready for it. And, and uh, I think it's his time too. Like, like you said, like when he was young, he said to Joe Gibbs, "I'm going to win the championship for you." And you know, I believe a lot of those stories, things that you say years ago and years later, it's like they they baffle yourself. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. things come true. Like it's weird how the world works. And uh, you know what? I'm pulling up for Denny.
0: It's a testament to his drive. Uh, the other thing that I thought was really interesting, and I don't know how many people picked up on this, but as they're coming to the end of the race, Denny's leading, Joey Logano is just outside the cut line, but he's like within single digit points, like he's close. But the problem was, is he just didn't quite have enough positions on the track left to make it up short of somebody else in front of him wrecking and falling backwards, but he didn't really have enough positions to like drive himself forward to make up the points. But Denny was ahead of him, like, at that point of the, here's the guys that are going to advance, only because he was leading the race, and they were assuming that he was going to win the race. But had Denny got past and finished second, now all of a sudden he doesn't get in on the win. It goes back to points, which puts Joey back in. And if you go back to Martinsville, when they had their scuffle and the little fight, right? Like, Denny actually had the last laugh, because him winning at Phoenix is what kept Joey out. Right. And then, Kyle Bush, at the end of Phoenix, got up to second, and was running Denny down. And I don't know if you had the same thought, but I was watching that going, Kyle probably could win this race, but he's just riding in second, because he knows, one, if he passes his teammate, his teammate's out. So that's bad for Joe Gibbs. Two, if he passes his teammate, Joey's back in. <laughs> right. So, why don't I just ride in second? I'm making it. If I ride in second, Denny makes it. And if I ride in second, Joey doesn't make it. Yeah. I, so, I,
1: I think I was so high on the, uh, the Denny Hamlin just winning it. Yeah. I was I was rooting for him, and uh, I didn't notice that, though. Good point.
0: Yeah. When I saw that, I'm like, man, I, Kyle is definitely riding in second on purpose, and Denny is definitely getting the last laugh here. <laughs> yeah, that so, is pretty funny. So we'll have to see what happens tomorrow, but uh Yeah, you
1: really got to display yourself in the in the right light when you're under the mic or under the camera, you know. Yeah. Denny Denny proved that.
0: Pre- yeah. Pretty hardcore right He's there. He's a veteran. So, uh we will be right back after a word from our sponsors. All right, we're back. Um, Full disclosure, we don't have any sponsors right now, but we're back. So, Dan, um, one thing that uh, we wanted to touch on is you and I are in a fantasy football league.
1: Yeah, we are. Um, And I beat you one time.
0: Well, yes. I think you
1: were the only one I beat, actually.
0: Nope, you're three and seven. Oh, okay. But the good news is we have an eight-person league. And we take four. And fourth place is only six and four. So there's four games to go, and you're three games back.
1: I got a chance then. <laughs> you're a, saying
0: I have a chance. There is a chance. So um, at the time that you beat me, I was 8-0, I think. Yes. I was 8-0. I was the only undefeated team left, and um, I completely you but blew it. You I- didn't even, like, change
1: some of your players.
0: Yeah, I forgot about Thursday Thursday game, and I had, like, Tyreek Hill and some pretty big names on the bench that went off. And then I had guys that were, like – Really good on the bench. Really good on the bench because they were on a bye week the week before. And I had guys that were on a bye week that week that I couldn't change out in time. So but you I know what, a,
1: fellas? A win's a win. Absolutely. Listen, and... Listen to Dominic from, uh, from... Dominic Toretto from Neve Seed, all right? Whatever. What, Fast and Furious, all right? A win's a win. A win is a win. I won my brother. I beat my brother.
0: Well, yes. And also, like, Christian McCaffrey, he might have been on the bench, but if he wasn't, he definitely... Like, basically, everybody on my team that week decided to throw in the towel and suck. Uh... I had Matty Ice from the Atlanta Falcons as my quarterback. He's good for 25 to 30 points a game. He put up (laughs) (laughs) 0.15. So I I think I scored like a record low for team points for a week. It was like 43 points. Yeah. Uh, And I'm used to getting like 143. So congrats, Dan. You took me down and uh, took the undefeated title away from me. So You're
1: welcome. Yeah, you know.
0: You know, honestly, I'm You know, i sure uh, Christian McCaffrey was
1: kind of like, yeah, you know what, younger brother probably needs some win once in a while. So we'll, we'll help
0: him out. Listen, if I was going to lose to anybody, I guess I'd rather lose to you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate losing, though. Um, Which kind of is a good segue into the next topic. But first, I want to hear from you about this Cleveland... Oh, the Cleveland Browns You'd, and the Steelers. You asked me about it. I didn't know anything about it. I figured it was a great topic for the air.
1: All right, folks. Well, let me start off by saying that I normally only watch the Patriots, not because I am, uh, I don't know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, guys. A homer. No, I'm not. I'm not a homer. I'm not a homie. Okay. Boy, All right. I just, I just root for the home team, and so you are a homer. So basically, yeah, I'm a homer. Okay. okay so. <laughs> I uh I, I watched this Cleveland Browns game because I had Jarvis Landry on my uh football um Ah roster fantasy there.
0: football. So you're you're following your team. So I'm
1: following my team a little bit and you know, I kinda of bounce back and forth when I watch football and, but I watched this game and I watched most of it and one you know, seventy five percent of it. Anyway, I watched to the very end and there was eight seconds left and the Cleveland Browns ran away with this game, pretty much. I mean, they had to fight for it, but they pretty much ran away with it. And uh, eight seconds left. Uh, let's see. Uh, Miles Garrett. He oh. he decided to tackle the uh, Steelers. Oh, geez. What's his name?
0: Was it Rudolph?
1: Rudolph, yeah. The quarterback. Right? Yeah, Mason Rudolph. Tackle him, throw him down, real, real rough and rowdy.
0: <laughs> I saw a couple of memes on Facebook about this. I saw so, okay.
1: Yeah, so that was that was fun to watch because it was just, it, I'm, I'm not saying it was fun to see him get hurt. What I'm did saying, it hurt? was before, before he got hurt. Alright, this is what happened. He threw him down. Giles, Miles Garrett threw him down pretty rough and Mason Rudolph didn't like it, so what he did was he kind of went for his helmet, just kind of clawed at it, and then Miles Garrett came back and ripped Mason Rudolph's helmet right off of him and nailed him in the head with it so uh i don't want to say i you know i i think i think the tackle is a little rough which is fine you know it happens things get unseen all the time in football but um mason rudolph's a little bit to blame i think because he started to go for his helmet miles miles garrett helmet in the first place so when he did that, Miles Garrett retaliated with taking his helmet off and beating him with it. So,
0: yeah, the beating him with it, I think, is where you cross the line. Yes, like you know, ripping a helmet off. Okay, you're mad, but then. So, <laughs> yes,
1: and so, go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm not trying to cut you off here. No, no. Um, so watching that, you know, live was kind of like wow kinda of took all the fans by surprise, everybody, you know, from both sides. And uh but I'm 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 looking at it from a technical perspective and it's kinda of like Miles Garrett definitely he screwed up. And he he did. He did he, he called himself out on it. But I think Mason Rudolph also, if you really look at it technically, he started to go for the helmet first. So No one really saw that, but I did, and
0: I. Well, but that's after there was a questionable hit on him, right?
1: Yes, exactly. So, So you, you, I mean, obviously, Miles Garrett is one hundred percent, full blown, the culprit in this situation, right? That was a very controversial. Yeah, twice. Sounds like it sounds like there
0: was a controversial hit, and then Rudolph was like, "I don't agree with this, f you," and then Garrett, which was probably warranted, and then Garrett came back a second time and did something stupid. Right. Exactly.
1: It was warranted. Exactly. So, I mean, if anything, Mace Rudolph is 100% clear because it was warranted, and then after that warranted effect, uh, what happens is Miles Garrett uses a weapon against his competitor. And, I mean, in any, in any professional sport, or, I mean, any any job, really. If you do anything like that, I mean, you're gonna, you expect yourself to get
0: punished for it. I mean, yeah. So, so two two things that I want to mention here, and this is coming from a guy that that didn't see it take place. That's why I wanted you to explain it, but did see two different memes on Facebook that uh, now makes a lot more sense. And one of them is a picture of Mason Rudolph, and you know how like. In pictures, there can be, like, a round dot that kind of, like... Here I am with the likes again. You know, it indents into the image. It
1: deforms your, your yeah, it image deforms a little image. bit. So,
0: it's one of those dots, like, o- over Mason Rudolph's head. And it shows, like, this huge dent. <laughs> <his> <laughs> yeah, head. a deformation in his <laughs> it, head. It said something along the lines of, I'm glad that you're still okay, or... You made it out of that okay or something. Nothing
1: has changed for. uh, (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, I I know what you're saying. Yeah, I saw the same thing. And then the second one was one that um, episode one guest and probably future co-host on a lot of them, Dave Vashon, shared, is Roger Goodell standing at a podium, and it says, following the events after the Steelers and Cleveland game, the NFL will be launching an investigation into Tom Brady and his involvement. He will definitely be getting at least a six-week suspension. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I laughed and commented something along the lines of, you know, uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if this was true because that's obviously exaggeration, but I think... What Tom Brady is obviously involved. Right, yeah. what they're poking at was the deflate gate deal, which is silly in the sense of, I mean, first of all, I've got my own thoughts on that, and that's a whole other conversation, but to pin it on Tom Brady and say that Tom Brady is responsible <laughs> yeah. for that, they were clearly <laughs> making a, a statement, and they were clearly making Tom Brady an example there, like, Tom Brady didn't go let the air out of those footballs, if that's even what happened, which I kind of would tend to argue that it was more of a temperature difference thing i'm an engineer there, there's physics that can explain that people are probably going to argue whatever it doesn't matter it's in the past but i still think the nfl they, they always seem they to go after, after brady, brady, brady to just something be, doesn't matter yeah what it is. whatever so yeah. that was kind of funny and now hearing the story from you that makes a whole lot more sense yeah um, that was a good game i mean it, the cleveland
1: browns I mean every t- i'm not a football guy at all to be honest with you but like what when if, I hear the, the Cleveland Browns, I always think Owen oh, sixteen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's hard to get away from that, isn't it? But right. they're actually last year I think they went in, like seven and nine or something. Or... Yeah, they did they've they've been stepping their game up yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, I mean they
1: got they got OBJ, they got Jarvis Landry. That Chubb Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's fucking killing it this year. Yeah, he's year. pretty good. Yeah. I think he's a rookie, right? Yeah, he I think he got like fucking a thousand running yards. Already this year. He really? tied, like, uh, Tim. They're only 10 Tim. weeks into the season, I, I, so that's yeah. pretty good. Or 11? No, he's, yeah, he's, uh, 11 weeks now. But, yeah, he's uh, he's been really killing it this year. That's they have good. a pretty stout set of weapons. They just need to somehow, you know, uh, cordulate with one another and uh, somehow, maybe that's not the word I'm looking for, Yeah, conspire. I don't know. Just
0: I know what you're saying. They they um they need some chemistry. They'll get there. They're they're a team on the upswing. I don't think that they're gonna be, you know, the New England Patriots anytime soon, but they're definitely far from the 0 and sixteen kind of laughing stock that they were. Right. Yeah, they're coming up through a little bit. So that kinda leads us into the New England Patriots. They're eight and one, coming off a loss and a bye week. The loss to the Ravens. I personally think that the Ravens came to play. The Patriots, I think, just one, they've got some issues right now. Like their their defense is very good. They got some off offensive line issues. They got some injured players. But the Ravens are also a very good team and they've got some playmakers, and I think that we just got outplayed. And we made some crucial Changes. Penalties during the game that that changed the momentum a little bit. We, I mean, it was a valid loss. The, there's no excuses there. But I also think that the Ravens are a team that we could potentially see in the playoffs. And so to lose to them in the regular season, I would almost prefer that, and then come at them in the playoffs with a little bit of revenge and some. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: we've already had a look at you guys. See up sleeve or something.
0: Um, but what is your thoughts at eight and one on the New England Patriots? As far as we got some tough games coming up, they're definitely going to be a playoff team. But I think what you want is to be the number one seed because then the Super Bowl goes through Foxborough. you For uh, You're right. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Side. I mean,
1: you want that uh, home field advantage, so. Um, but uh, yeah, at this point, you know, game eleven. They're going against the uh, what Eagles you now. The Eagles, big, yeah, big rivalry now. So um, yeah, I mean, I I think Carson Wentz has been a little off lately, and they just they can't find the chemistry. They do they they get their their shots here and there, but I mean, I think he's been going down a lot more recently than ever before. So at this point, I, I I don't know. I as the Patriots go, they always seem to start off a little slow. You know, try to find you know feel it out a little bit. They always get better as they go. So I I I, I want to say that by halftime, it's going to be maybe within ten points, and we might be down that ten points. But coming off of uh, maybe after the third, we'll be up. By three or so, and then in the fourth, we'll, we'll blow them out. Is this a
0: prediction? This is a prediction. Okay. See, I, I don't know enough about the, the Eagles to make any predictions, but one thing that I thought was kind of impressive was the the Ravens came out and scored 17 points unanswered on us in the first half. It was 17 nothing, And it was looking like this was going to be a clobbering. But, again, kind of like the... Denny Hamlin winning, keeping Joey out. I always keep an eye on the storylines and the subtle under card that's going on. And I, I couldn't help but notice that as the game progressed in the first half, the Patriots started to make adjustments, which you would expect. That's what they're known for. They adjust as they go. They've got great coaching. And the scoring slowed down and the Patriots started to get back on the board. And by halftime, it was 17-13, and quite honestly, it should have been at least a tied game. Um, Absolutely. We maybe should have even been in the lead. The The first touchdown that they scored, I think, was either the first or the second, but they were down in the red zone. We had stopped them on third down. So they, they were going to have to kick a field goal because it went to fourth down. And it was like third and three or something. Or it went to fourth and three. So most people early in the game aren't going to take the chance on fourth and three. They're going to just kick the field goal, put the three points on the board, take the lead, and they'll kick off to you. The Patriots on that fourth down play went off sides. And the, you know, the... Uh, the ruling. The ruling on the field. I, and again, three might have been wrong. It might have been like one and a half or something. But anyway, the ruling on the field was half the distance to the goal, which put them into a first down. Right. The very next play on the first down, I think they went and scored a touchdown. Yeah. So that was a four-point swing right there. Like, you expect that they were going to score the three points. Maybe they were going to miss. But, I mean, when you're that close, it's kind of a guarantee. You yeah, know, absolutely. Short of somebody getting their hand in there and blocking it. But – you know, you were going to keep him to three, and they went to seven. And so, right there, there's a four-point swing, and at halftime, it was 17-13. That's four points. So, in my opinion, that game should have been tied. And then there was a bunch of shit where we, we messed up. But it was sloppy. The first. It was sloppy, sloppy yeah. His, I mean, there was a couple... of turnovers
1: back and forth there for a bit. A couple um, miss catches that... Sh- I mean, there was a Julian Edelman catch that... I mean, he should have caught that thing, and that would have gained him, like, 20, I don't know
0: what it was. Was don't that the quote one that on was rule the fumble? Uh, it was, um, I think it was rule the fumble, and everybody was kind of... It was close. It was he, like, well, did he get down or not? But
1: Nah, the one I'm thinking of is, I think he got, like... It almost, like, was sniped to him, and he just... He couldn't... He must have grabbed it the wrong way. You know what I mean? Like, the... He it lo- did he lose the ball or not? He lost the ball. It was on like a th- – That was the fumble play. It might have been like a fourth down or something. They turned it
0: – I think it was a fumble – No, I think it was a fumble play. So they threw it to Edelman, and he lost the ball on the tackle. And the big thing was it was such yes, a Yes, it was a fumble play. play. Yes, you're yeah, correct. It was such a close play that there's still – I mean, whatever, it's in the past now. But there, there was a lot of discussion as to whether or not he was down or not. It was very close, but hey – I think it was last year's playoffs, maybe the Super Bowl, where it was a Super Bowl. I think where on the kickoff, it the ball bounced and like just barely missed Brushed. his leg. Yeah, but it, I think it did miss it, but it was super close. Yes, they had to go and over it like forty-five times. So man. I would much rather have it go our way in the Super Bowl than if this was questionable. Okay, whatever. It's a fumble. We lose the game. It's the regular season. It doesn't matter. We're 8-1. and one. We're going to be in the playoffs, barring some massive breakdown. Right. I just don't see happening. Well, so, yeah, it ain't going to happen. So, Patriots. Yep. So that's that.
1: Sorry, boys. We're going to crack another one.
0: All right. So, next topic. Might as well get right into it. Um, what are Al- we doing next year? Oliver 2020,
1: Racing. Oliver twenty. Twenty twenty. Twenty
0: eight. Oliver twenty eight. So, we've gone to. We've gone through a long run of part time seasons. We did have a kind of full time year in twenty seventeen. There was a one off. Inex legend season at Oxford Plains Speedway. We finished third in points. We got one win, but it was a year plagued by low car counts due to... You got a win. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited about that. A win's a win. When I come off turn four and took the checkered flag, I could not have been more excited. Uh, and I had to fight off Peter Craig, who is... Hopefully, maybe he listens to this someday. One hell of a racer, and it doesn't matter if we had a small field. I had to beat Peter, and that doesn't come easy.
1: No, it doesn't. He's he's one of the uh, even from an outside perspective. An outside perspective here, um, guy that watches the race from the grandstands. I see Peter Craig, and I say that guy. He's easily a top 10 you know, every week, whether it's 8th, maybe 5th, maybe even a 3rd, or 1st. Yeah. But he's one of those guys that you, you have to watch
0: out for. So well, to beat him is very uh, admirable. Well, and the thing about Peter Craig that maybe people that race legends don't really know is that Peter's back background is supporting pro stocks. So he was a key crew member on Gary Drew. Do you remember him when Paul Bossy raced? It was like a maroon 71. 71? 71. Uh, 71. Uh, Gary Drew actually kind of made a bunch of news. I don't remember the year. I want to say it was like 2002 or early 2000s, but this was back when we were starting to ramp up, like paying to have NASCAR guys come up. And Gary Drew won the 250 as a Saturday night guy, like a Saturday night driver. Yeah. Went out there and pretty much... Dominated the race like he was a force. Yeah, just kind of like a low key team. I mean, he was good that year, but but I mean, he went out in the two fifty, which is a it's a big deal. Yeah, it's huge, prestigious, Uh, and killed it. So uh, Peter is a big part of that. Peter knows what he's doing. He knows setups. I've leaned on Peter uh, at the track a number of times to kind of help me tune the car in. He's that type of guy. He will give you pointers, even if he's going to go race you for the win later. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think there was, like, four cars in that race. Um, but I had to beat Peter, and it doesn't matter. Well, I heard after the fact from a lot of people that even though the field was small, the race that Peter and I put on was it, it, really it was, exciting. It,
1: yeah, it was exciting. I mean, I, I'm just the cameraman, just, you know, on the sidelines. But I was like, how hey. I was taking my eyes off the camera to make sure that I was seeing it live. Yeah, that's and cool, that's, And that's, that's not normal of me because I watch the camera to make sure I don't screw myself up, you know. Make sure I have that that, that eye going around perfectly in a circle. But when I, when I saw that race, that was actually a race that I had to, like, see. You know what I mean? At least the last few laps I had to see. I, I followed it with my hand. Right. I, you know. I, I had to I had to see that because you guys were neck and neck for like I don't know what was it ten laps the and, whole race yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean I didn't beat him by but much. the end was
0: was way more exciting he was on my ass like sizing me up for a pass coming off four for the checkered like um, we had to fight for it and that's what made it really like that's just what made it really what's the word worth it, you know, whatever. It it didn't there's no asterisks there for me because I had to beat a top quality competitor. It doesn't matter how many competitors were behind him. Right. So, I mean, you go into every race and
1: I mean, you're not going there to win a purse of 2 grand, right? To cover all the expenses. You're going in there to win what like 100 bucks, 100 bucks right? <laughs> I so when more you than that to enter you in. don't you don't enter a race on a Wednesday night or a Saturday night for the money. You you do it for the trophy. And you you do it for the, the bragging rights, right?
0: And for the fans too, man. Like I know that sounds really cliche, but that's why we're there. I mean I, I love racing. I love the thrill of the moment and the swapping paint and the trading you know rubber on each other's doors and stuff with full bodied cars. But the fans are there to see a show. Right. And so when you get feedback that says, even though there was only four cars on the track, the show that you and Second Place put on was fun to watch. Yeah. That's cool. And, and yeah. I almost value that more than the trophy. Right, right,
1: yeah. I mean, that's why you do it. I mean, you go out there, you, like I said before, you ain't you ain't going out to win $100. Who gives a shit about right. the, the cost of getting in spend there? spend more than that to
0: get there. Right.
1: So, like for the fans uh, they come out there they spend their money to see an entire 4 or 5 hours worth of racing and they want to see some neck and neck races where they're trading paint and that's exactly what you gave them and you won out of it and that's it's awesome as me for a crew member um, just to be a part of that too you know like it's kind of cool to not trying to self-acclaim myself but No you were a big part of that I mean there's no there's no shooting that down But, like, it's just kind of cool to, like, be a part of that. You know, just just some low low team, low-budget team that just goes out there. We know we're not going to win. But, hey, if the opportunity presents itself, we're there. We're always going to be there.
0: Yeah, and I would agree with you when you say that most nights we realistically know that we're not going to win. And that's because, one, like, I don't have a lot of time. So, quite frankly, my weekly game, like, Shop Nights, is is not great compared to my competitors. If I get out there a couple nights before the race and just scramble to get the car together, you know, that's a win. I'm not putting the time in that some of these other guys are. And so I don't go out there to expect and run up front with the Nell Car Tour. But one thing that I do maintain is that we have the heart of champions. And we don't give up. That's one slogan that I just have lived my entire career by is never giving up because you just don't know what's going to take place in the race. And there's been too many races over our, our career where, you know, we were running friggin' eighth and then a caution comes out late and you get up on the wheel on a restart and you get up to third. Exactly. That's happened a lot and that's... Anything can happen. I mean, I'm not trying to Puff my own chest out and whatever, but one thing that I think our team is really cool about is that we take pennies and we rub them together and we do something with it. I mean, some nights we go out there and we run 18th and we suck. and a lot of nights we go out there and we run eighth and we're like mid pack, we're just kind of another guy in the field. but some nights we find magic and one that I' one race that I think I'll probably take to my grave. As one of my most exciting and proud moments was just a couple years ago. I think it was 2017, 18. It was a race at Beach Ridge on a Thursday night. We were not racing full-time. I showed up. We only had like 15 cars or something like that. And we had a couple of rookies or guys from out of town that took the rear. So I started 11th. I was 6th on the inside. And over the course of like 18 laps, we drove to the lead cleanly. I never laid my front bumper on anybody, and I'm not gonna call him out on this.
1: I got. I mean, I got, I got the whole thing on video too.
0: Yeah, I just, it's not worth calling out names, but cleanliness. But we never, we did it all right, and we drove to the lead. And this is after like part time, not racing that track much. We just, we had notes, and we used the notes, and we hit a good setup, and we just, we had a good night. We had one of those nights, you know, where just things kind of go your way, the, the they magic fall your happened. Way. and we drove to the lead, and I honestly think that short of the event that followed, we weren't going to win, because there was cars behind us that were coming. Uh,
1: and I I, I I knew that in, in, behind the driver's seat, that you knew that? I knew it, but I, at the same time, I, I, knew, I knew I wasn't going to win. I, yeah, I knew but that I, you were you had a fast car and you were going to
0: fucking. Hold I knew that I was definitely down. going to tech after the race, which is top five. I knew that for sure. I didn't know if I was going to be third. So Austin Terrace was coming. Trevor Sandborn was coming. Um, there was some guys that were coming, and you know, at that point, I think we were running twenty-five lap races. This was like lap eighteen, so we had seven to go. Um, honestly, I feel like probably that was a third-place night. We were probably going to take a trophy home, which I've never done in a legend car at Uh Anyway, the unnamed driver who was super fast and won six races that year just laid their bumper on us, got us sideways, going into one. So I'm letting off going into one to make a good turn. and, you and get I get, hit the, I get hit the bumper. The yeah. So I start to drift. Granted, I'm also drifting. Running old tires, very old tires. These guys are running like these tires are probably almost two years old. But you know, we get the bumper. We start. You're supposed to change them every five races, or or quicker. At max, yeah. (laughs) And so I'm starting to drift, and but I'm keeping. Over the years, I've figured out how to drift and like not spin the car out. So I'm I'm still kind of staying in my lane, but the rear end is up higher than the front end and we get hit again, and at that point we just... You're already sideways, yeah, you're you're going around. He he finished the job, and you know what? I was upset about it, but we were there part-time, they were running for a championship, I kind of get it. You kind of knew at the time, but you, I mean, it does frustrate you, you know? The sucky thing for me, and this is just coming from it selfishly, is from my perspective, I spent two-thirds of the race, driving to the front cleanly. And I raced one lap in the lead and got turned. Like, flat-out just dumped. And that's the frustrating part, is you you work so hard to do it the right way, and then you lose it the wrong way. Yeah. But I hold... You
1: you expect to be driven the way you drive others, so if you're the kind of guy who... Who spins people out, you best be ready for somebody gunning for you. But if you are the guy who doesn't doesn't touch a bumper to you, 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 clean you cleanly passes you every time, and then eventually you get spun. And it's I yes, that's I mean that's the most frustrating thing in the world, especially as a race car driver. I mean, yeah,
0: and, and I wanted to take the trophy home like for the team, you know, for all of us because we worked really hard. But at the end of the day. I don't really dwell on it or like lose sleep over it because what I'm more proud about is the effort. The fact that we drove from 11th and we were a part-time. like We weren't even there every week. We just showed up, started towards the back of the field, drove to the lead amongst a bunch of regulars that were there every week and good, were yeah, good, good guys. Cars, good cars, yeah, absolutely. And passed them, and yeah, passed them clean you know, yeah. and drove all the way to the lead the right way. That, I think that effort of like, it it reinforces the fact that we kind of know what we're doing and we can do it. So that's what I kind of took away from all that. Anyway, we're, we're getting off in the weeds a little bit, but started in 04, next year is 2020. So it'll be the 17th season. Right now I have 16 years on figure out here. I have 16 years under the, under the belt. I've got six years full time, ten years part time. Most of my career has been part time, and that's just you know I got a family and two kids and a wife and you know Danny and Dad. You know, we're just a small team. We can't we can't afford to create an entire camp. Out it's of more it. It. it's more the time I think than the money. I mean the money's tough too, but I think we just don't have the time. Yeah, most of it is the time. But we're passionate and we love to do it, and that's why we've we, have, tr- we haven't we still try to get out there. In 16 seasons, we've been to at least one race every year. So where we're at right now is... It's like me at the gym. Two years ago, I ran twice. It was one race at Beech Ridge when Uncle Frank came up. And that was... I basically just wanted to race in front of Uncle Frank because he'd never seen us. Yeah. And we had a good night that, that night. Um, drove all the way up to third place. We were on old tires. We ended up fading. But we put on a good run. And then I think later in the year, what did we go to, White Mountain? I believe I so, yeah. I think qualified like 12th out of 29 cars. We had a good qualifying run. I spun myself out on the first lap. And I went went hook, way back again. I hooked, I hooked bumpers with uh, Derek Debus, and then uh, spent the rest of the race getting <laughs> flipped off <laughs> by Derek <laughs> As we uh, went up through the field, but I think we went from like 29th to 15th, so we passed 14 cars. We just ran out of ran out of laps. I think I was the only caution. So you you got it was uh, lap one, and then we went 29 laps straight, and I passed 14 cars in 29 laps. It was a good effort. Uh, if we had some more cautions there, I think we could have probably got up there. But whatever. Um, you got Bubba Wallace. Well, and then so this past year, 2019, we ran four times, and the first race. Of us coming, you know, dusting the car off was a dirt race at Loudon. And I remember talking to you, it was like the week before. It was a Friday night dirt race. And I think I called you on like Friday night, the week before, or Saturday night. I'm like, hey, Dan, nah, we're going.
1: I'm pretty sure you confirmed it like Thursday and had to take Friday off. <laughs> yeah, you had, you had, you called, you confirmed that we were going to Loudon. I, I want to say it was a Wednesday.
0: And then Friday, we had to go. So, yeah. Well, it was one of those deals where you're never going to get that opportunity. One, we had never raced on dirt, ever. We did not have any dirt tires. We had no dirt setup. Um, I spent a few days just scrounging the internet, trying to find some help. And I put a note out there on Facebook, Marketplace, whatever, one of the racing sites, basically saying, Hey, if anybody has any used dirt tires... I'd love to buy them, and we, we struck some gold. One of the guys that – actually, the guy that won that race, uh, Chris Transow out of Pennsylvania, messaged me, said that he was going to the event, and he had some used tires that he would sell me. So we showed up like a couple hours before practice with no tires. We got tires off Chris. We had to scramble to find a tire machine to get them changed. Within like an hour of practice? We, we got back with the dirt tires went out in the one practice that we got and there was a wreck on the first lap and we The other
1: four minutes of practice were
0: under caution caution laps. Yeah. We didn't get like any green laps. So my first time really on the track at speed was the qualifying race. And, uh, we had, we finished last. We'll just, we'll just leave it there. I didn't do well, but I learned, then we had a Concey race. Went to the Concey, started fourth, and basically set up to the outside as we took the green. Got myself into second immediately. We fell back about a half a straightaway and then ran him back down. And there was a caution with four or five to go. And we spent that, after the restart with four or five to go, I think it was like four to go. We were on the leader's bumper. To the finish. I actually Yeah, it was if you listen close. to Legends T V broadcast, I actually, on the last lap I nailed the leader going into one and then again going into three, which I don't remember it that way at the time, but, yeah, but it was pretty bad. But for for a no name team. I gave him the f- bumper. I didn't really mean to, but but we were there is the point. And started tenth in the feature, got as high as fifth, I think. We were I trying well, so, yeah. You actually, you were. I was uh, sixth. I was think I was trying to pass Hemrick for fifth. Yes, you were. So I was trying to pass Daniel Hemrick for fifth place on this dirt race, and spun out. So I had to go to the back. You're um, we coming back up through. I noticed that there was huge ruts on the inside groove, set up to the outside, where it was pretty smooth. Nobody was running out there, you're, and we were passing. I think in one lap we passed like five cars. Yeah, you you did. You hit. You got. You passed four cars. Four cars. Lap. We got back. I think like into the top ten, and I was coming off turn two, and I was hammering down, and we we were drifting, and I caught the right rear. That was that was fun to watch, bro. I caught the right rear. I'm into not just the, saying
1: that because it's my brother. That was actually fun to watch.
0: I caught the right rear tire into the wall. Uh. Exiting two and that slapped the right watch. front. So full admission here. I went into turn three and just went up into the loose dirt, punched the throttle, and spun out. I, I brought out a caution because I knew I had a good car, and I didn't know how bad I hit the wall. But I knew I'd hit the wall. Bubba wallace again. I bubble wallace yeah. I, I brought the caution out. They threw the yellow. I sped into the pits, basically hoping for you guys to go, all four tires are up, you're good. Just go back out. But instead, uh, I was told You
1: have rear end. Grease is rear, end. <laughs> rear end grease rear is end. Run,
0: running out from underneath your car, um, and the right rear tire is pushed into the back part of the fender, you're fucking done. So yeah. and well, that we that was a hard style. message to roule. We went out with style. I, you know, it was a great effort, especially first time on dirt, and it was probably the most fun racing I've ever had. And we had a great night, you know, after that. We went and hung out with Derek, and then we went to this hotel, and that was an adventure. We <laughs> got to, got to meet, uh... Algaier. Algaier. Justin yeah. Algaier met us. There was a bunch of NASCAR guys, because it was NASCAR weekend at Loudon, so there's a bunch of NASCAR guys staying there, too, and it was just great. And then, from there, what did we do? We went to White Mountain? Uh, from there, uh, yes, uh... The next race from there was White Mountain. We had some speed. We ran pretty good. We ran. I think what, we we ran like tenth or something. We, uh, I think we started like,
1: what was it twelfth? I think it was mid pack. I think we were mid pack. Okay. We started mid pack. Um, I think we we got a little courageous out of two and tried to go on the inside of oh, a lap car right. and spun no, ourselves out. I was as high as like seventh, I think
0: weren't we we, were we right were, up there. yeah
1: we were up there we got as high as
0: probably about 7th yeah and then okay and okay it's all coming back to me now we had a long rain delay and so our feature was next so they dried the track and like but the the apron was still puddles and i tried to get under the slapped car way too soon what i should have done is just waited off two, got under him down the back stretch and got under him going into 3 but we were on a really good run. We were fast. We were flying, and I tried to duck under him coming off too, and just kind of like get under him coming off too. Hit the puddle. And I got my left side tires in the puddle and just completely looped it. So had to go to the back, and then we we fought back from there. I think we finished tenth. We we fin yeah we got tenth out of. I think we finished tenth. Yeah. yeah, we were we There's were coming Rex. We are yeah. probably going to get back into the top ten, I think, if we had maybe another caution or two or a few more laps. But um, good effort again, a mistake. And I think that these mistakes happen when you you run as infrequently as I do is you you just your judgment maybe is a little bit rusty. Well, every time. yeah, I mean, you're in the
1: moment too, like as a race car driver. But if you'd
0: run all year long, you'd go, well, I'll just wait till the next corner.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean. And when you're in the moment, you kind of and you like like you said, you're, you're part time. You're you just stepped in it. Your rust is still there. You're you're kind of not mentally focused as you would be in a full time season. So you kind of you, you you go after it, and you went after it a little too early, and mm-hmm. that's what happens, you know.
0: So then we went to Oxford. We were in the 250. We'll be we finished there. We're finished. Right around 10th again. We Basically, this was the year of like running near the top five and finishing 10th, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. Mid-pack finish. We, we did okay. And then um, we ran the past 400 weekend uh, midweek series Thursday night deal. And I think I started like 12th and finished 10th or started 12th and finished 11th. We just – nothing crazy happened there. We were just kind of – just riding it out. Yeah. and yeah, just one of those races. So this brings us to the next topic, which is... So, 2020. Uh, 2020. What 2020. are we doing next year?
1: What I... are we doing next year? Because I need to know what my bank account needs to hold. <laughs> okay, so
0: here's the thing. We're at a point in our life where... Um, we're kind of cherry picking races, and last year was a great example. Dirt race, never done it. White Mountain, favorite track. Oxford Two Fifty, big event, and then Beach Ridge, just kind of, eh. Let's go finish out the year. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of my style right now is just run what I want to run, and next year isn't going to bring any kind of championship contention or anything like that. Although,
1: so that's what, still what on do the you radar. feel
0: about twenty twenty? So, one thing that I've always talked about wanting to do is road course racing. So, Loudon, um, New Hampshire. Yeah, Loudon. I mean, Kevin Girard Jr., shout out, uh, got a really awesome road course car for sale. Um, if I had a fresh $8,000 kicking around, I would definitely scoop that up. Uh, But I don't, so I would suggest anybody listening that is a race car, legend car fan, wants to drive, think about it. But um, I think that we can get our old little ride to go. I mean, what we've proved, I think, in the last year is that as a part-time guy showing up to these random tracks, we've acquired enough knowledge through the help of people over the years and just our own experience that we can fight through adversity. Well, we can show up with a car that was built in 2013 um, and put a setup in it that, I mean, we are we can run up around the top five. Even with the guys that run every single week. Like, we, we can get up there. We'll get there, yeah. We can toss it up. We're not going to get up there and, like, battle for the lead, and I would never expect that. You know, we, we might not stay there, but we'll get there. But we can run up there, and we can kind of toss it up with those guys, and, and that's respectable, I think. But, um, you know, we just... Running part-time, you just are susceptible to rust and, like, making mistakes and things like that. And that's what I've done in the past. And it's something that I think is hard to overcome if you're not racing weekly. Absolutely. Uh, you know, certainly... You can probably overcome it. But anyway, I've never raced a road course race, and that's something I want to do. So even if we do that just once next year, it's something I want to try. Yeah. And I think it'd be fun for all of us. That'd go be fun. Make a weekend out of it. It's something out. different. Yeah. I mean, um, you you kind of challenge yourself, too. Like, we've never done they, this before, they, they so. say
1: they They always say uh, you got to do something that scares you every once in a while or – I, I guess I guess the the yeah, the proper phrase is, you got to, every day you got to do something that scares you, or, or challenges you, yeah. and uh, maybe this isn't this, this might not be every day, but this is something new for the well, all over twenty eight racing.
0: That could be the, the that could that, be the day that, that could scares be me. Day. That scares you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you drive at uh, full speed three quarters of the way down the backstretch at the New Hampshire mile, yeah, 120 and miles. You got to make hour. a right-hand turn, 90 degrees. Yeah, exactly. Never done that before. Right. So. <laughs> Never done that before. <laughs> let's try it. And I let's go. I've seen some YouTube videos of uh, friend Bob Weymouth, and you come back up on the track in turn four, and you run the full length of the straightaway at New Hampshire. You're probably I think you're up over 120 miles an hour. And then you have to woe the car down and get off the banking into the flat infield and go through all the, like, turns and all the that stuff. So, chicanes. It's something we've never done, but we had never raced on dirt either, and we were attempting to pass Daniel Hemrick for fifth. So anything can happen, brothers. Before I... Anything
1: can happen. You can do myself it. myself out.
0: But, <laughs> you know, anyway. So a road course, I'd love to do that. Uh, one thing that I've talked about, and I'm not sure that if it's really realistic or not, but I've, I've thought about potentially going back to Thursday Thunder and trying to run that series because it's it's Thursday night. It's close to home. Close to home. I feel like it's easy enough to do. Um, you can balance the kids. It doesn't interfere with the weekends. The it's, it's a championship schedule. I'm not sure if we're going to get that in or not, but it's something I've certainly thought about. Um, but I just, like, I've talked about for two years now, I want to go to Star Speedway. Haven't been. Uh, I think Groveton Speedway 51 is out there. That's a track. So it's just kind of, right now, I just want to try new tracks and new experiences and just kind of have fun with a legend car because I know that I'm not going to be able to race for points. So why don't you just go out there and run races that Have a hell you of time. Yeah, so that's where we're at right now for 2020. But um, if funds allow, one thing that I would really like to do is we've held a lot of pride on the open trailer thing. Most of the time, when I show up to a a racetrack with our legend car, we're the only ones there with an open trailer in the legends group, which is pretty cool. And you know, when you're driving down the highway,
1: people go by and they they get a free show. I mean, we give
0: them a free show before the show. And you kind of, you know, you're obviously low budget enough that you're driving around an open trailer that was homemade back in the 80s. Um, Original wheel bearings, you know, like. By by a Lincoln Electric. (laughs) Just random. uh, Well, let's not discredit Forrest. I mean, he built a hell of a trailer, but.
1: Yeah, man, they, they had some skills.
0: Yes, but, you know. We're still using that same 30-year-old trailer to get to the track. <laughs> she ain't rusted yet, yo. <laughs> and and what we do is we throw tools and spare parts in totes, and we huck them into the back of our pickup truck every Thursday before the race or Saturday morning before the race. And then after the race, we got to pull them back out of the pickup truck and put them back away in the toolbox and put them back away. It's just it's a lot of work. You see what he has me do? That's yeah. <laughs> my brother, and he has me work all the time. Dan's doing a lot this of this. Bullshit. But one thing that I would really like to do is get an enclosed trailer set up and get a toolbox mounted in there, get you know the the bumpers mounted on the wall. Um, just get like a setup going where we can just back the pickup truck to the enclosed trailer and set the hitch and drive away. We don't have to... Throw all the spare parts and totes and all the tools and totes and just there's so much work that goes you into get redneck getting ready to the track the way we're doing it right now. Whereas if we had an enclosed trailer with a full setup like spare tires, spare bumpers, toolbox, all that shit that we need, and it was just ready to go week yeah, to week, quick release, and you just put the car in the trailer, you strap it down, and you drive away. It would make things so much easier. And that's where I want to get to next. So it's kind of a goal for next year. I don't know if we'll be able to do it or not, but uh, certainly that's the next big step for us. And then, you know, we've got – so i got a 4-year-old and an 18-month-old boys, two boys. They take up a lot of my time. They're sleeping time. upstairs right now. Time is a big And I am crossing my fingers that they don't wake up <laughs> because <laughs> – uh, that would end this podcast prematurely. But uh, that being said, there, you know, Bryson's going to be five, six. Julian's going to be two, three here in a couple of years, and so we got a go kart star on the way. Well, let's hope. But but even for us, I mean, we've it's going to be a lot easier for for Jenna to handle them two when they're both self sufficient. And I think that we may be able to get back into. At least one more championship run, doing it the right way. Yeah. Because for too long now, we've been doing it the half-assed way. And not because we don't care, but because we don't have the time or the money. So I'd like to put one more effort into...
1: So is this a uh, prelude to a uh, 2020
0: season championship run? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think 2020 is the year, but I think 2020 is a stepping stone. So I want to run the road course. I want to see what that's all about. Um, I want to run maybe Speedway 51 or Star or try some tracks out, possibly run Thursday Thunder. This is all going to come together as like budgets and time and all that stuff kind of comes together. But I see myself stepping in the direction of – putting together, like, a program rather than just a 30-year-old right. open trailer. Yeah.
1: I'll call you up on a Wednesday and we'll Some go race
0: Friday. Yeah. Or, like, yeah, you know, hey, Dan and Dad, I know it's Wednesday afternoon, but <laughs> I think I want to go to Beechridge tomorrow night. Like, that's pretty well, much well, yeah, how we've yeah, yeah. been you're doing trying, it. You're trying to get away from that. You're trying to, like, schedule right. a little uh, bit of a... Exactly. Yeah, okay. And we've been kind of forced into that because... You know, dad was looking at building a garage and, you know, I had an infant and it's, it's tough, but we, we got our fix in. And so now the next step is let's get ourselves a little bit more prepared. Let's get ourselves a little bit more, you know, let's get the equipment that we need organized. Yes. Let's get a enclosed trailer. Let's get a setup going. Let's get it to the point where we're not handicapping ourselves before we get to the racetrack. Absolutely. You know, and then. And that's what you need we to do. Once we get that done, that's going to be 2020. 2020 is let's get our shit together. Yeah, if you're here <laughs>
1: listening, you're a uh, low budget team like us. I mean, hey, there's there's never no room for work. I mean, there's always something to do. There's always something to improve on. I know you ain't got money. We ain't got money. Um, I mean, but like my brother was just saying, there's always something you can do. There's always something to make it easier for yourself, or or uh, maybe better you know something that you can do there's always so, progress that can progress be made, exactly right? exactly. That's exactly. what i'm saying
0: don't lose sight of that so so 2020 in my mind is a year of taking a step in the right direction and then hopefully like 2021 let's go run for a try, championship try, yeah try a full season maybe it's a beatridge thursday thunder championship i like championship. that i like that but let's get our shit together next year. Yes. That's 2020. Take an entire year. You you ain't got to go full war right off the gate. The other thing too, uh, and then this will probably close it out, but one thing I've noticed is we're a proud team um, that has always done everything 100% ourselves. But Legend Car Racing has gotten to the point where if you're not being supported by FAB Specialties or Chase Pistone or... um, Kyle Beatty or, um, you know, Andrews. There's so many of these teams out there that are um, 860 with CJ Diodario. Like, there's all these teams out there that are providing, like, factory support. You know, like Toyota does for Denny Hamlin and Joe Gibbs. That it's really tough to compete with the knowledge that they have. These are big Teams that are gathering data from lots of teams that subscribe to them, and then they're putting out the best possible information to everybody based off digital. And what we're doing is racing four times a year by ourselves, little spreadsheets that we make ourselves. Right, some chicken scratch. Like, so that's part of the getting your shit together and taking a step in the right direction. Is one thing I would really like to do is see if we can get ourselves uh, linked up with you know, a pistone or FAB or somebody so that we're not going to the track not to say that we can't do it ourselves. I think we could if we were fully a hundred percent dedicated weekly schedule. But when you're part time, I think having that factory support, if you will. Right. Really and,
1: goes a long way. Yeah. The, so like you said the dedication. I mean you gotta be dedicated to be actually in contention. And that's that's what we're striving for but the last couple of years we've been kind of here and there you
0: know we'll, we'll try this track out here and then oh there's just a race having, down we're there. just having fun right now yes absolutely so and, and actually I'm always just trying to have fun but 2020 wrap this up is get your shit together have fun so one last topic and then we're going to close this down low Quality toilet paper. So in Danny's household, they use Charmin Ultra without wavering. Like always – Two-ply. Yep. two-ply. It is like wiping your butt with the softest cloud. cloud. With a cloud. It's so nice. It's so nice.
1: You don't want your ass – chafing and and itching when you're walking
0: down the street. I think they mix, like, lotion in there. Like, it's just so good. I think they
1: put a little bit of lotion in
0: there. Okay, so over here at the Oliver household on 9 Celtic Way, you know, we're... eh, We got a couple kids. We got some bills. And, you know, every once in a while we find the need to save a few bucks here and there. And, um... Right now... We're stocked with. Like, you gotta go with the old ultra, huh? Well, no. Right now, we're stocked with like the Hannaford brand, and I—I'll tell you what, man. There's two sides to it. It's like a. It's like got a, a, a stamped design in it, like you took a piece of toilet paper, ran it through, and yeah. you stamped a design, and like, it goes so through on the picture. other side. One side is not that comfortable. Eh, kind of soft. The other side is like sandpaper.
1: Oh, okay. You got the one-ply
0: or the two-ply? It doesn't really matter. What I think needs to happen is all of it needs to go in the trash can. Okay. And we need to go spend the $6 on the Charmin Ultra You spend the extra $6 and and you wipe your ass and you feel good. So, okay, guys, this is the advice that we're going to leave this podcast with because I think that we're we've about covered it all. Um spend you need to feel good after you take a shit. Spend the extra money on high quality toilet paper, okay? Um yeah, don't don't cheap ass it, all right?
1: Cuz you want your ass to be smart.
0: It's 3 bucks by Charmin Ultra.